As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Head in the clouds, exploring weather and why. And now, here's your host, the man who knows that behind every cloud is another cloud. Meteorologist Andrew Stutsky. Welcome to another episode of Head in the Clouds. This one actually a really special and unique episode. Meteorologist Morgan Strachman and myself, we've been working on a new project here at WQAD, and that is taking our popular and well-known Verify segments and putting a little bit of a weather flavor to them, if you will. And recently, one of the Verify segments we did involved the myth or the wives' tale, as you may say, uh, involving our robins, kind of the accurate predictor of spring. We get a ton of robin pictures submitted to us here at the station uh, usually in February and especially in March. And there's always been kind of this correlation or link that as soon as you see the robins in your front yard, they're getting more active. That means the warmer weather is on the way uh, or is already here and it's going to stay. And that's a common misconception. So we went ahead and did uh, an actual Verify segment on this. You can find it at WQAD.com right under the Verify section. But I thought it would be a good idea, idea rather uh, to go ahead and give you kind of the backstory on this so you could see uh, what we learned. And boy, did we learn a lot. Uh, Morgan and I talking to Dr. Brian Peer. Uh, He's a professor uh, down at Western Illinois University, uh, one of our local bird experts, you could say. We had a great conversation with him. And so I want you to go ahead and listen and see some of the things that we learned. And I think you'll be surprised uh, at some of the things that Dr. Peer has to say as well uh, about the birds in general and especially how they behave during the spring season. So without further ado, let's take a listen. Well, so our segment is, is based around the, the topic of robins because we get a ton of pictures from viewers this time of year saying the robins are here, which means spring is here, we should be done with winter. Do you know how this originated or came about? Why are the robins kind of the particular case for this? Well, I think it's because robins are one of the most recognizable birds that we have here, certainly in the eastern half of North America, robins and then probably a cardinal. You know, a cardinal is probably the most recognizable feeder bird. It can't be mistaken for really any other bird, and the same applies to a robin. So when the, you know, you think about it in your yard when you're looking out there in the spring and the summer, the most common breeding birds we're going to have are going to be cardinals and robins. The difference is the cardinals are here year round. They're not migrating. They kind of tough it out through the winter, but then the robins become much more visible in the spring and the summer. And, you know, most years I have robins nesting, you know, in my yard or very close by. So you, you really can't miss them if you're looking outside and kind of paying attention to what's happening out there. So I think it's really has to do with visibility. Is there a, a species of birds that we can say pretty confidently that would migrate back here at a certain point in the late winter, early spring? Yeah, we have, uh, you know, ornithologists and bird watchers alike, we have these lists where it's very predictable. 
in terms of what species are going to show up at specific times of the year. Now with temperature change and, you know, climate change, that's, you know, adjusting over the years, they tend to arrive a little bit sooner. And in some cases they stick around later. Um, for me, you know, it's not the Robin because I see, I see Robins, you know, January 1st, the coldest days of the year in January and February, because they're hanging out in my neighborhood. We have lots of crab apples there. And so they're feeding on the crab apples during the winter. So for me, it's the red winged blackbird. And it's, you know, I'm partial to blackbirds because I study a variety of different species of blackbirds. So I appreciate them, but they'll show up and the males will get here earlier than the females and they'll start to sing this kind of conqueree song. I don't mimic bird song, so I'm not going to do that. But um, the males will show up about, you know, four to six weeks before the females, they set up their territories. And uh, I'll notice them out here in front of our campus. Uh, they'll be singing away. So I expect them to be here, you know, within, especially with this warm spell within the next couple of weeks. But for me, that is the true harbinger of spring are the red winged blackbirds. And they're, they're not going to be as noticeable for your average, you know, person because they're not always going to be in your yard like a robin is or a cardinal. The robins will start to show up in greater numbers, you know, as the temperatures warm. Um, but usually kind of late February, early March is when you look for the red-winged blackbirds. And there were, I've not seen red wings yet. Um, I just haven't had time to be out, but there were some reports that there were red wings around kind of in early February, but I know this, you know, the lovely weather that we've had here in the past week to 10 days has pushed them further south. You know, they're smart. And um, I expect any day to see them starting to push through and start to head north. And it's kind of, that's what the males are doing. They're trying to get up here as soon as they can to establish a territory. And the sooner they get there, the, the better the territory they can secure. And then the females show up and, and uh, they'll nest and do what they do. How far south does that species go in the winter time? Well, the, the robins and red-winged blackbirds actually are very similar. They're short distance migrants. So, I mean, if you looked hard enough, we could find some red-winged blackbirds in this area if the temperatures are warm enough, um, but, but it would take some looking. So again, kind of the average person, the average bird watcher isn't even going to find them, but the Southern states, you'll see large numbers of red-winged blackbirds in addition to common grackles, brown-headed cowbirds, and even European starlings. And, they have such large numbers and they're in vast roosts overnight that they cause some problems. Um, you can imagine that if you've got a, a tree filled with birds um, spending the night there, what they're doing all night long. And if your car is parked underneath that tree, um, it's gonna be dirty the next morning. And in, you know, in some cases we have thousands of those birds in those states, so it can be quite the nuisance but the, it's the same thing with the robins. So the robins that we have here during the winter, in all likelihood, were somewhere much further north. There was a study published last year where they put GPS units on robins, and they were in Denali National Park, which is in Alaska. They looked at another population in Massachusetts, and then another one in Washington, D.C. So this was in the summer when they were breeding. And then they tracked them and where they went in the winter. So those that were up in Alaska spent the winter in kind of Montana, uh, Nebraska, Oklahoma. One went as far as uh, Texas. 
the ones in Massachusetts, which would be much more similar to our latitude, spent the winter in South Carolina. And then the, the birds they track in Washington, D.C. didn't really leave Washington, D.C. And Washington, D.C. is further south than us and their climate is you know, much more moderate than ours. And so it kind of gives you this idea of what the birds can handle in terms of the conditions. So if it's warm enough, they'll hang out, and they'll spend the winter there. But if it gets really cold, they're gonna be heading somewhere else. So I su suspect the robins that we get here in the spring and the summer, we're probably, you know, they could be down in Tennessee, um, the Southern states down there, Mississippi, Arkansas. Awesome, that's fascinating. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the subject of climate change too. I'm sure if people um, do the birding and, and they follow it long enough, they may see some trends. Have you heard anybody or have you yourself seen trends of migration patterns that have changed because of, of the, the whole climate change topic? Yeah, that's a good question. In one of my classes, we actually document when birds are arriving and when they're, they're leaving each year. So we've actually accumulated a data set. And what we've done, we've compared that to one of my predecessors who in the 1970s, the 1980s, he and his students collected the migration timing events of all the different birds. So we're able to compare our results to their results. And you can definitely see trends, but you can't, you know, you can't make a claim based on one single year because just there could be an unusual cold spell, unusual warm spell. When we look at those sorts of trends, they have to be over long periods of time. And the larger the sample that you have, the better your results are going to be, more robust they're going to be. But there have been a number of studies throughout North America and the rest of the world showing that birds are responding to it, just as you would anticipate that they're going to arrive sooner with warmer conditions, probably stick around a little bit longer. The concern is, you know, are they, you know, because they arrive to coincide with um, favorable conditions to raise their own young. In the winter, they go into survival mode. It's just, you know, hey, I need to stay warm, find enough food for me. I can't think about raising, you know, four or five chicks in a nest. So you need to time that when it's going to be warm, but food has to be available so you can feed your young. So that's, that's the one concern. And I'm sure over kind of vast periods of time, they'll, they'll adjust. They do. I mean, birds have been undergoing this sort of change in response to the climate for millions and millions of years. Awesome. That's, that's very interesting to know. Uh, Morgan, did you have any questions? Yeah, I just have one that popped in my mind. Um, so why do you think that robins have just kind of been like pinned as this spring or warm weather bird to the community? Because it just seems like that's the bird that people kind of look for when it comes to coming, going into that warmer weather. Yeah. And again, I think it's due to the fact that, you know, the average person, that's one bird they can recognize. They can identify the same thing with the cardinal. So when they start to look outside on their lawns and uh, things start to green up, oh, there's a robin. Okay, that one's going to stand out. Whereas the, we know the cardinals, yep, if you have a feeder, they're going to be here year round. Um, I just think it's what people are perceiving around them. You know, there's sort of like to point out to my students, there are hundreds of species of birds around. I mean, if you look at the Mississippi River right now, it's loaded with all different species of ducks. This to them, as long as there's a few open spots, it's like us going down to Florida. I mean, they're just having the time of their life and they're gonna head, you know, you know, pretty soon they'll start heading back north. So it's all relative, but I think it's, yeah, it's just what we see. 
and the robin and the cardinal are obvious ones. And, you know, people talk about sparrows. They're not very aesthetically pleasing. Plus there's a number of different species of sparrows. You know, there's native sparrows and then the introduced species and some are migratory, some are not. But I think it really has to do with just the fact that we know what a robin looks like. So interesting. There's so much that to this. <laughs> it is. It's, uh, it's fun. Yeah. My job, you know, is my passion. I'm very lucky to do this. That's awesome. One of my um, friends is an avid birder. He goes out and photographs them and, and looks for them and logs them and things like that. And he sent me this phrase. Um, he said, there's, it's like an old weather proverb. Bluebirds are a sign of spring, warm weather and gentle south breezes they bring. Any truth to that? Well, and, and again, it depends where you are, you know, in terms of latitude, because if we were a little bit further south, you can have bluebirds year round. Uh, I know even down into Macomb, I would get bluebirds year around there. Whereas up here, it's a little bit hit or miss. So they are another short distance migrant. Um, they just kind of adjust to the weather patterns. And, you know, we, I mean, we also see some birds, their ranges are expanding due to temperature changes. A bird called the Carolina wren, it's one of my favorite backyard birds. Um, their populations have actually increased because of the warming trend. So, you know, people tend to look at or talk about global warming in, in negative lights, but it's benefiting some species as well. And the Carolina wren is a good example of that. So the red-winged blackbird, who knew? Now, when driving uh, to Sterling about once a week, especially in the more open areas next to fields, I've really noticed a lot more of these red-winged blackbirds, and I have a really distinct uh, sound or, or call, if you will, that you'll be able to hear if you check out the Verify article on WQAD.com. I've attached a YouTube video where you can actually listen to their call uh, in a very familiar sound. I usually hear this, especially in the spring and summer, even a little bit of the fall, too. So go ahead and give it a listen. I want to thank Dr. Brian Peer for allowing us uh, to use him for our Verify segment and as well kind of double it up as a podcast here. Uh, and as always, a big thank you to more meteorologist Morgan Strackbein, my trusty sidekick uh, on the weekends, and also helped me out with the Verify segments. If you have got something weather-related that you would like us to verify, all you have to do is send us an email, verify at wqad.com, or send us a Facebook message, Twitter message, whatever platform medium you're using, and we'll go ahead and get that verified for you. We'll see you next time on the next episode of Head in the Clouds.